James chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 4 through 6 today. 4 through 6. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and we eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days, says James. These words are directed toward the unbelieving, unjust landowners here in our text. People who had disregard to God and their wealth. And as I said last week, like the IRS, James conducted an audit on their finances and he uncovered three ways in which they misused and abused their wealth. Three ways in which they disregarded God in their wealth. Last week we dealt with hoarding. Hoarding up of treasure in the last days. This morning we're going to deal with the last two ways in which they had disregard to God. And it's found in verses 4 through 6. Here is God's word. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Father God, your son, he walked the path of death so that we can have life. He lived a life that we could not live. He was perfect. There was not a sin in him. He was holy. And yet, Lord, he chose and freely, voluntarily offered up his life for those who hate you. For those who were not even thinking about you. He died for enemies. To make enemies sons and daughters. And because of him and because of what he does, We can have life. We can worship you. We can be in communion with you. We can stand before you because of his blood that covers us. Covers all of our sins. Because of him, Lord, you smile upon us. Because of him, Lord, you dance over us with shouts of joy. Because of him, Lord, you don't count our sins against us, Lord. You look upon him and pardon us, Lord. And so, Father, we come in your house to worship you. Not to go through the motions. Not to look good. Not to pretend. But we need you to minister to our hearts. You know what each family needs. You know what each individual here needs. You know what I need. We need to know that you are there in spite of us, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of our fears. 
that you are for us and not against us. Holy Spirit, you are the counselor. You are a helper. And we desperately need your help today. I desperately need your help today. And I pray that you will speak through me to God's people. That you will move aside my pride, my need for man's approval. And let Christ be glorified in what takes place today and not me. And in Christ's name I pray. Amen. When I lived in, when we lived in Decatur, Alabama, I would go to a coffee shop called Java J's to do a lot of my seminary work while I was still in seminary. And on one occasion, I overheard uh, this conversation this uh, man was having with his daughter on the phone. It wasn't hard overhearing him because I mean, he was talking so loud, you know, interrupting my study time, but I still overheard what he said. His daughter was having some difficulties with her landlord, hard times with her landlord. And this is what this man told his daughter. He said, this is the new golden rule. The man with the gold sets the rules. This is the new golden rule. The man with the gold sets all the rules. According to this rule, if a person has power, wealth, resources, then they can set up all the rules. And if you don't have power, resources, and money, you just fall in line and comply. Because the man with the gold sets all the rules. Think about that. In the hands of simple creatures, this rule does not lead to a good place, ever. Always to an evil place. The rich, the unjust rich in our text, held to such a rule, and James calls them out for it. The second way they misused and abused their wealth was by committing fraud against those who worked in their fields. The the word says in verse 4, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mow your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters harvesters have reached the ears of of the Lord of hosts. And in verse 6, you have condemned and you have murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. James begins here with a a strong interjection saying, Behold, pay attention, look at what you are doing. Look at the consequences to what you are doing. Those who labor in your fields, who mow your lawns, you have kept their wages back by fraud. And those wages are now crying out against you. What we have in this text so far is these landowners, they hired these workers to to come in during the harvest season to mow their fields and to harvest their fields. And it's clear that the workers are down in the same economic class as the owners. They were day laborers, working class individuals. Some of them probably lived in poverty, which means their families were dependent upon the money earned from these jobs. And if they didn't get paid, then guess what? Their families probably didn't eat. Now, the landowners, they had to know this. They had to know that their workers were dependent upon those wages, but they didn't care about it. James says, you failed to pay them for their work. You kept it back by fraud, which means 
you agreed to pay them up front, but in your heart you never had it, you didn't have any intent on doing so. The workers were intentionally deceived. A fast one was pulled over on them by their employers. The golden rule. The man with the gold sets the rules. This is what took place. The unjust, the unjust rich was setting the rules, and it was an injustice to the workers. They used their privilege, their wealth, their power, their resources, and social status for evil. To hurt instead of defend their workers. There was a misuse and abuse of wealth. It was a disregard to God. And a modern example of that would be sweatshops. You know what sweatshops are, right? You get people in, you pay them a cheap wage, and you overwork them. Is that honorable? No. It's not. The workers in our text were being used, cheated, taken advantage of by those who were more powerful than them. The text says, they condemn the murder the righteous ones who does not resist them. What does that mean? To condemn and to murder here, I believe, is talking about what happens to people when, you, when they are oppressed by other people. You kill their dignity. You wound their self-worth. Leviticus 19.3 says, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a higher servant should not remain with you until night. Should not remain with you all night until morning. The oppressors here condemned and murdered the self-worth and dignity of their workers. They treated them like property, not like human beings. Like property. And what could the workers do in that situation? Think about it. What could you do if you didn't have the resources to defend yourself? They couldn't resist it. They had to just go along with it. They were at the mercy of the man with the gold who set all the rules in his favor. Now, if you've never been oppressed, then you don't, it's hard for you to understand this, but if you've ever been in a situation where you've been taken advantage of and you know and you couldn't do anything about it, then you know what they could have went through. They had no one to defend their cause. The man with the gold was setting all the rules, and they had to fall in line because they had no one to defend their cause. Even though these rich landowners thought they were getting over and on them, that they thought they were not going to be held accountable, they were wrong. They were not going to get over. They were going to be held accountable. James says the wages you kept back by fraud cries out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. That's not good. Cried out. What does that mean? Simply put, they will be held accountable. They will not get over. The cries of the wages here is similar to what the Lord said to Cain. You remember what the Lord said to Cain after he murdered his brother? What did he say? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. The blood of your brother's your blood of your brother is crying out for to me from the ground. The wages that they kept back, the wages they kept in their pockets was crying out to the Lord. What was the wages crying out for? Justice. Justice. That's what it was crying out for. Because the wages no longer belonged to them. 
They belong to the workers. Second, the cries of the harvesters. What is that? Those are prayers and tears for justice, for help to the Lord. Pleading with the Lord to defend their cause. Psalm 18 says, In my distress, I call upon the Lord. To my God, I cry for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. It did. It did. They reached to the ears of the Lord of hosts, and their cries remain with him. He has not forgotten them. They are not in vain. He does not tell them to just man up and suck it up. You oppress, just deal with it. He does not tell them that. He does not tell them, you just mean to be a big boy, big girl, and don't cry about it. The world is unfair. Just deal with it. He tells them, for the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial, who does not take bribes. I execute justice for the fatherless and the widows, and I love the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. This is what he says. He is the Lord of hosts. What does that mean? What does that word mean? It means he is God Almighty. He is all-powerful over all creation, and nothing is hidden from his sight. He sees all. Hebrews 4 says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. One day, we will all have to give account for how we lived our life. The fraud, the injustice, the oppression by these landowners, landowners are exposed. The Lord sees it. He sees it all. And he will hold them accountable for that. Their wealth, their privilege, their status won't protect them. Instead, it will melt like wax in his presence. That's the Lord of hosts who holds people accountable. Six years ago, U.S. Marine Tony Porter was set on fire by a, a, a roadside bomb while serving in Iraq. He says it was like he was burning on the inside. His face, his, he felt it on his face. He felt it on his brain. He felt like he was talking with fire. It hurt so bad. The fire left him disfigured. He had over 128 surgeries. I can't even imagine that. 128 surgeries. And it was difficult for him to adjust to his new normal. Can you imagine what his new normal was like now? He was left disfigured by this bomb. And one of the things that have made things difficult for him was the stares, the mocking, and the comments made by people he fought to protect. Think about that. One of the things that made it difficult for him was the stares, the mocking, and the comments made by people he was fighting to protect. That's us. The author of the article says, every stranger who points or stares, every teen who mocks the word monster, every couple that whispers was whispers behind his back that the disfigured man is the price for invading a country tells him, he has not left the battlefield behind. Those hurtful comments felt like fire to his soul. 
to his dignity, to his self-worth, which was already wounded. It took him four months for him to even look in the mirror at himself. Four months for him to even look at himself again. When he saw himself, he said, I didn't know myself. And he's, this is what he said, who's going to love me now? That were his words when he first saw himself again. Who's going to love me now? He eventually found love. A woman who saw past his defigurement and saw him. She embraced him. She accepted him. And she loved him. You see, the workers in that text were poor. They lived in poverty. But it didn't mean they were less human than the rich owners, rich bosses. They mean they, they, were, they, they, they deserved to be easy targets to be treated less than human. Did it mean that they didn't have dignity or self-worth? They did. Their own, their, the landowners didn't treat them that way. They didn't treat them as equals. They looked down upon them. They failed to embrace and to accept and to love them. What about you? When you come in contact with a Tony Porter, someone who is different than you, how do you treat that person? Do you treat them with dignity? Do you embrace them, accept them, love them? Or do you seek to get over them? Fraud them, beat them down, mock them, destroy them. One of the things I've learned since I've been down working here and being, I mean, since I've been called to this church is that you, we don't know the internal struggles of those we look down upon. We just assume we don't know what people are going through. And we always assume the worst about people who we don't know. We all do. We assume the worst about people that's different than us. But let me say this. Every single person on this planet wants to be loved, wants to be accepted, wants to be treated with dignity, no matter what walk of life they come from. And in order for us to do that, that requires us to be a little less self-centered and less self-focused. You see, the final way that, the, that these unjust rich misabused their wealth is that it was all about them. Self-focused, self-centered, self-gratification with no concern for other people. Verse 5 says, You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. Michael Colleone in The Godfather Part 2 says, discontent for money is just a trick of the rich to keep the poor without it. Discontent for money is just a trick of the rich to keep the poor without it. See, it's always easy to say I'm not being satisfied with money when I got a lot of it. When I'm not in a situation where I could lose it. These landowners here, they live in luxury, self-indulgence. That means they live their entire life in comfort. They probably never knew a day of true need. I can't even imagine what that's like, to never know a day of true need. This week, Prince William and his wife, Katie, gave birth to their first son. You would have thought the Messiah was born by all the media attention they got. But, but guess what? That child would probably never, never know a day of discomfort. That child probably never know a day of what it's like to go without a meal. That child probably never know a day what it's like not to have lights, not to have clothes, 
not to have shoes. That child's going to get the best of everything. Is anything wrong with that? Is anything wrong with those things? I think not. But what makes it bad is if, if, you, if he grows up to have an uncaring self-indulgence, to indulge himself uncontrollably to satisfy his own desires and appetites without any regard to God, without any concern for others. That's what makes it bad. When it becomes all about self, when it becomes all about number one, when it's all about your self-gratification with disregard to God, to be guided by one's pleasures and desires instead of God's providence. James says, you have fat in your hearts in the day of slaughter. What does that mean? When farmers feed, fatten the calf. Are they fattening the cow because it's going to be his pet? When the farmer fattens the pig, why is he doing that? Is it so he can be his pet? What is he fattening it up for? Why is he overfeeding it for? What's going to happen to that animal? He thinks he's having a good time. He's getting all this food. But what doesn't the animal know? What's going to happen to the animal? He's going to the slaughter. And James says, you have lived your life fattening yourself up without any thoughts through eternity. Living your life, fattening yourself up on yourself as indulgent without any regard to God, not knowing what your end's going to be. You fatten yourself up for slaughter. God's judgment. That's what he's talking about. Without knowing, by any account, that there's eternity that's still to come. There's more to life than just the here and now. Because one day you all, we all have to give an account to our maker. James' words here are hard. He's hard on these unjust rich, and rightfully so. But don't forget that he was writing this in order to inform and motivate and even warn the believers. He didn't want them to be jealous of these people. The psalmist in Psalm 73 says, I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Have you ever felt that way? I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He was getting, it was getting on his nerves. You see the wicked advancing in life without any troubles. Saying they, doing, they do whatever they please, say whatever they please, but nothing ever happens to them. He says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me worrisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Their end would be judgment if they don't repent of their sin, and to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The unjust rich in our text, they should repent of their hoarding. They should repent of their fraud. They should repent of their selfish indulgence and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what they should do. Now these words here, they serve as a warning for the church because the church is not free from these same struggles. Or not. Just look at church history. Saying this stuff we caught, we talk about in the world can happen right here in the church, and it does. And if the spirit is convicting you, if the spirit is tugging at your heart, then what should you do? If he's convicting you of looking down on other people or cheating other people, if he's convicting you for self gratification, what should you do with that? Repent of it. Acknowledge it and repent of it. You ain't got to climb on the cross with Jesus, he already did that for you. Just repent of it. Acknowledge it. 
See your sin for what it is and go to Jesus for healing. Pray that you would no, pray that you would no longer live for yourself, but you live for him. To love Jesus and to love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 25, Jesus gave this parable about the last judgment. He says in verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his righteous throne. Before him he will gather all the nations. and He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous would say, righteous would answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you drink? And when did you see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As you did it to the one of least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. It's the people of God. It matters how we treat other people. It matters. You see, this table is a reminder that when you were hungry, Jesus fed you, right? It's a reminder that when you were thirsty, he gave you drink, correct? And when you were sick, he visited you. When you were in prison in your sin, he came to you, did he not? When you were a stranger, he welcomed you, did he not? You are his friend now. And when you were naked, he clothed you. It's a reminder that each of us are the least of these. I'll say that again. It's a reminder that each of us are the least of these. Do you see yourself that way? The least of these in which he shed his blood for. He died for you. And on the third day, he rose again. And at this very moment, before the throne of God, you have a strong and perfect plea. Do you believe it? A great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for you, his beloved, his bride, his church. And he welcomes all baptized Christians to receive his supper. It's not my supper, not the village church's table. It's the Lord's table for his people. And if you have saving faith in him, trusting him for your salvation, confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, then you are welcome to take communion with us. Friends and neighbors, if you don't profess faith in Christ, then we consider the honor that you're here. And this table is open for observation. We ask that you observe what we're doing. And also take this time to meditate on the message that I just preached. 
And if you have questions about what it means to have saving faith in Christ, please come see me or one of the elders. Because if the Spirit is tugging on your heart, don't deny that. Don't just brush that off. Talk to someone, and we can tell you what it means to have salvation in Christ. Adults, we ask that you, the kids that are with you, we ask that you um, don't let them take the elements until they have made a professional faith in their church and be welcome to the table by the church that you attend, and we'll leave that to the oversight of the parent. And now to our kids, our babies. If you're not taking communion right now, we want you to observe what takes place here. This is a reminder to you what Jesus has done for each of you, that he went to the cross so that you could be made right with God. Listen to this. Jesus is the one that makes you right with God. And this table is a reminder of that for you. And our prayer for each of you is that one day you will come to know him in saving faith. And we will rejoice when that happens. Now 